0: When I was young, I learned that love was all about romantic comedies, Valentine's Day, chocolate, and flowers. A lot of capitalist, heterosexual BS. Now, I know that real love is ferocious, it's terrifying, and it's a catalyst for change. I'm Ethan Lipsitz, and I created Love Extremist Radio as a platform to engage with people who are on the front lines of wrestling with and redefining love on their terms. They're activists, artists, and creators, all making change in their communities and the world. Thanks for being here. Together, let's define what it means to be a love extremist.
1: Love is the Love is the Love is the Love is the
0: Hey, Michelle. Hey, E. It's me, E. <laughs> Who are you today?
2: <laughs> Just myself, Michelle Palazade. Michelle Palazan. I've heard of you. The only.
0: What does it mean to be you on a Sunday (laughs) leading into the beginning of August?
2: Oh my goodness. Well, I think that um, I remember saying, oh yeah, this pandemic thing is going to be over by July, the latest. And we are hitting wave two. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Which is not something to laugh about, but um, yeah, we're hitting wave two. So today I actually ventured outside of the house for the first time in a very long time. I went to our local nursery to get some plants for our backyard garden.
0: We're going to have a pomegranate tree.
2: Yeah, I I bought a pomegranate. It was a bit of an impulse buy, I'm not going to lie to you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what the vision is for that.
2: We'll see. Listen, we'll see.
0: If anybody knows, <laughs> uh, send us a message with how big <laughs> pomegranate trees grow. We might have to move some buildings around to accommodate.
2: Anyway, um, yeah, it's feeling good. This is my first full day off unscheduled in a really long time.
0: Nice. Yeah. And you're still working a little bit.
2: Yep, I worked all morning. So. Yeah, just
0: getting some stuff done.
2: How are you today?
0: I'm well. I'm well. I've been finding, feeling an urge to read, and and enjoying that. And I'm reading this incredible book about witches oh. Oh, that really? you recommended, <laughs> and it's really, it's been an interesting addendum or extension of my study of patriarchy and thinking about how that's bonnie down there shaking <laughs> it. thinking about how the history of witches and witch hunting was kind of happened in tandem with the yes. evolution of capitalism this
2: book is so good
0: sylvia federici
2: uh-huh Witchi- women witches and witch hunting what's been your favorite it's like basically a, a sort of like series of essays oh that was our dog pressing a button asking to play
0: yeah it's working we're
2: teaching her how to talk <laughs>
0: She wants to play. She doesn't realize we're playing.
2: (laughs) She really wants some attention. What's been your favorite part of the book so far? The most surprising thing that you've learned?
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I think it's really interesting. It ties kind of violence against women to international development in a very um, systemic way and talks about the World Bank and the UN and kind of turning the other cheek to witch hunting in service to the dream of capitalism and like economic expansion, which is like literally like... The, anti- like the idea is like women become witches as evil so that they can no longer continue on with more, some might say, socialist practices to support the community and use communal land and Healing be healers. And right. yeah,
2: raising children and and doing work that isn't, you know, strictly, quote unquote, productive in terms of like making money on, I don't know, like Henry Ford's. Yeah, Fine, making people right? to make money. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's fascinating. It's, it's I, that was the first book of hers that I read, and then I read Caliban and the Witch. Well, I'm halfway through Caliban and the Witch, but it sort of broke my brain in some cool ways. And I didn't know that witch hunting still happened. Still yeah, happened. it's
0: happening, definitely, in many parts of that are still being colonized. Yeah, and witch hunting is basically
2: is. a euphemism for just the murder of women. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: yeah and finding kind of reasons for it in yes. the capitalist dogma right or yeah the expansion extraction anyway just some happy topics <laughs> today i'm talking to hanif hardy a friend i don't know if you met um but i have met through breakout he we've been on a number of trips through and or within a group called breakout different cities and we he, love breakout he's from philly and talks Love about that. coming up in Philly and Baltimore, and he's a mentor and teacher and really amazing speaker, and shares his life story, just uh, coming up in those communities and and what he experienced. So cool. don't want to give too much away, but
2: like hand me a Secondary City moment, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a very Los Angeles thing to say. <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah, well, Philly and Baltimore are both.
2: They're uh, big cities, but yeah. I would think they are sorta of some somewhat considered secondary cities, right? Sure.
0: If yeah. If, if you're you not hilarious. Ra- if you wanna rate them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no. You know what I mean.
0: Well, what else what else
2: uh what else is good? Is good what else yeah. is nice out there? It's Leo season, as you mentioned. Um
0: <laughs> Bonnie wants to play. She's so good. She looks at us now. She hits it and she's looking at us waiting for us to react.
2: Um, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say we got we got this breeze thing across our house where we open two doors, one on either side of the house oh, and the breeze yeah. just crosses right yeah. through.
2: Yeah. Well, I feel as if this is the first week maybe like we've actually i felt a bit in suspended animation for the last couple of months as I'm sure many people have as All of our plans and ideas for what we thought 2020 were going to be got thrown to shit. Mm -hmm. And we really like sat down and did some planning this week about where we want to live and how much money we need to save in order to do that and how we're going to do that. And that felt really scary, but also really good because I don't feel like, yeah, other than our wedding, which we sort of made some progress. (laughs) um, I don't really feel like we've been at... been, we've been loving very much in the present
0: mm. yes indeed <laughs> not a lot of planning going on it's kind of like week to week what can we, what can we do <laughs> yeah what's a love new the adventure teeth <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah and i think there's certainly certain assumptions being made in regards to what that looks like as we make future plans and some um kind of coming back to a lifestyle that we may have known before in our considerations but we'll see
2: Right? I mean, yes. When it comes to thinking about where to live, part of me is like, Maine is really inexpensive and has really cities. And the other half of me is like, the pandemic might be over in like two years. It might be a bit brash to just move all the way to Maine. <laughs> hey,
0: there's nothing wrong with Maine. <laughs> no, we love all the listeners Maine. out there in Maine. Nothing
2: wrong with Maine. But if my logic is, well, we're not seeing people anyways, like that's going to end at some point. Hopefully, yeah. Famous last words. But who will be left?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what what it brings. Every week feels like a month, and there's a lot that's coming up and going down, and and then resurfacing and
2: going left, going right,
0: left, right, all around.
2: Everyone wear a mask.
0: Yes. Let's let's all just agree on this. I,
2: yes. I also kind of feel like. Collectively, we forgot that we need to be social distancing, and yeah, yo, we need to be social distancing. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: easy to forget. It's easy to get like comfortable with one friend, and then all yeah. of a sudden, like, oh, everyone's taking yeah. care of themselves. Uh-uh. I, there's every day. There's a new story of someone catching COVID, and and the repercussions not being so simple. No. So, yeah.
2: So stay safe out there.
0: Stay safe. Take vitamin D.
2: Oh, yeah. Take vitamin D. Listen to the Radio Lab episode, most recent Radio Lab episode, all about vitamin D. Did you hear me listening to that today?
0: I did because I take vitamin D. and yeah, You uh, do. You've been saying it since the
2: beginning of the pandemic, this guy. Get this with guy it. This guy and his vitamin
0: um, regimen. Yeah, early days. <laughs> well, Michelle, I love Ethan. you very much.
2: I love you more than air.
0: We're sharing a single microphone. It's so romantic. If you notice... The audio quality may be different. That's why. but Because we're in your head. Because there's love in your ears.
2: In your ear holes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And without further ado, (laughs) Hanif Hardy. 26-year-old Hanif Hardy is someone who lives by the motto, be who you needed when you were younger. At the start of his adolescent years in West Philly, shout-outs West Philly, Hanif was taken from his parents' custody and their family home. He was later adopted and went to Morgan State University on a track and field scholarship. Hanif uses his unconventional past as motivation to help lead young people to reach their unlimited potential as a mentor and teacher, working to inspire the royalty in all people. That's such a powerful mission and and project you're on in life, Hanif. Thank you for being here.
3: Uh, thank you, bro. Uh, you definitely made that intro scene so
0: dope. <laughs> hey, you sent it to me, so I just read it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, your story is a lot deeper than what I just shared. What are what are some elements that you feel that you'd like to share, your bio behind the bio? Uh, so the
3: bio behind the bio? Um, so, like you said, um, mentor, educator... Um, community leader. Um, I feel as though that a lot of those, label it for for other people to give you, but I feel like a lot of those things came from my past journey, my my journey of life of living. And I would start by like, not actually having a clear understanding on the life I was given or the route I was taking in life, but later on in life, embracing the person I I started to become. And start to realize more so the things that I'm going through, and they 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 made me feel at, they made me feel at home and made me feel free. And when I got to a space where I was more so comfortable to speak on certain things, I just understood how I could help other people, and I started to like fall in love with that feeling. So I think like that's the ultimate personality person I am, just like a a person that I can make people feel at home within themselves and feel supportive in certain areas.
0: What, is, what does home mean to you? How do you define home?
3: Um, so for me, so it, like, we live in a complex world, so it can definitely mean a lot of different things for other people, but I would say for me, it's a, a space where you feel comfortable. You feel, you feel as though that you're, you are your true self. I know for me as an individual, there was a lot of times in life where I wasn't myself. I was either following somebody. I feel as though I was putting a, not even put in a position. I just was following certain people, um, maybe because they had something I wanted at that time. They were living a life that I thought like I could consume because if I did what they were doing, I could achieve what they were doing. And sometimes it wasn't good. I feel, like I feel as though I probably fell in love with a lot of wrong things growing up. Um, but when I got older, what made me feel at home were doing things that made me smile, that made me feel like no matter how people would look at it, I was comfortable with with, 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 with what I was doing. Um, so now I find myself trying to teach people, or not even teach people, to feel confident and to embrace the things that make them happy. Um, I know a lot of people that would probably like to draw or be an artist or consider of an artist, but they look at uh, criticism like you can't take a second criticism so you're like no i'm not good i'm not good but like if that's the thing that's setting you free that makes you feel like you're at peace with yourself you have to learn to embrace of things.
0: mm it makes me think a lot about this kind of like the the, the self criticism or like the sense of like perfection right like we compare ourselves or we feel like we need to be perfect to be something but ultimately what you're saying is if you feel good doing something that's your that's your home base right like that's yeah that's where you got to focus even and it's not about whether you're good or you think you're good it's about how you feel doing it right
3: yes definitely definitely like um even like even now within my journey um i was telling somebody not too long ago like um moving from this space where like being to have conversations with other people to have and just to have a conversation with people and be able to say certain things to somebody and not start an argument or not to, if I, if you were to do something you're like, Hey, I like the way you do. Oh, I don't like the way you do this. I don't like when you do that. And some sometimes that can start like an argument or, or a disagreement. But, um, I have like, I have fell in love with like being able to like have open dialogue to know like how people feel and to know how they see certain things. And that was my way of learning how to grow. Like it wasn't always easy and I still trouble with it now but um there's so many things that like um i took i was able to take that that the defense mechanism down in some places some uh places in my life and once i took that defense away and i was able to open up and be able to listen and be able to be more transparent and take other people's uh sides of you on different views um i started to see a different side of me i started to open up and once i realized that i was opening I was I was more confident and I was better than I ever ever could imagine. I was really great at certain things. Like people would say, "Oh, you're a great public speaker." And I used to never I should never see that in myself. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I studied too much. I talk too fast. And but as I realized, I do speak a lot. And when I do speak, I do feel at home. That's that's what I could do. But I ran from that feeling for so long. But like. I think that's something that a lot of people do. They run from a feeling. Um, they run from a ceiling, But once you, once you take down certain walls and you allow yourself to embrace certain conversations, embrace certain things, then you realize that you're way confident or you're way better than what you realized.
0: How did you, how did you start to take down those walls, or, or maybe first I should say, where do you think those walls came from? Like, who taught you to, to kind of be out of, uh, confidence with, with the things that you do?
3: Um, I, I, feel, I, I, though I met a lot of people in my life and I feel like a lot of people played a huge sector in my growth. Um, so I, I really can't like name pick each and every single individual, but like, um, I was first I would start off saying like, I was brought into the world and like a nuclear structure home. Like I had a mother and a father and I, they showed me what love felt like, and I was able to use that as a model of what, what love is. And from a blink of an eye, that was taken away from me. Um, and I just feel like it was a dark cloud covering my head for many years. And I've been on a search for that feeling I once had. Um, then eighth grade year, I found this, now I'm not going to say I found this lady. I was introduced to this lady that was my eighth grade teacher and she seen, the pain in my eyes, she seen my behavior and knew that at the end of the day, I wanted more. And I knew I wanted more too, but I was just like, in a, in a, I was in like a, a weird space where I was doing certain things just for attention, like I said, um, and she was the first person to let me know that like, you can, you can let a wall down for me. And she, and it wasn't easy, like me and I got into arguments. I mean, my first time I ever met this lady, her name was Ms. Cheryl. I met Miss Cheryl, and I the first time I met her, we got into an argument. And she's like te- she's my teacher. And we argued, but like she didn't like back off. She continued to like embrace me. She continued to like help me, support me, even after that first argument. And by tenth grade year, her son adopted me. <laughs> um and Amazing. that Yeah, and her son her son Brian Hardy, he adopted me and his family, um, they, they they gave me that feeling again where I was listening for many years, um, the feeling that I was used to. They brought me in, and they, um, and it wasn't easy for them too. Like if you were to have a conversation with them, it wasn't easy for them either. But they consistently tried, and over time, I was able to knock down, open up in some in certain like in certain ways. Um, then just going to college and being able to go to college and meeting other people, other mentors. That played a huge factor in my life, and they were they were either, they were open to like help me out in, in other ways. And I think over the course of my like over the over the time of my life, I met certain people that consistently showed me that like it's okay to it's okay, and remember that you can feel a certain way, and that's not the end of the end of things. So I would say like I'm a lot of my barriers or well, a lot of my walls came down from like experience of life running through different people um different people like showing different different emotions and continually having that support from different different people that i would have never thought that my support would have came from them in the first place
0: yeah it sounds like you have so many champions right people who have seen you and believed in you and maybe seen more of you than you saw of yourself in certain times
3: yeah definitely um there was like a moment in my life where like i was completely like i gave up on myself like i didn't want i didn't want much for myself um coming from a place where i lived in a moment everything was so promising um i never thought about the future because the moment was so great then i went to a space where like i had to think about the next day so often like what am i eat where i'm asleep what am i like what am gonna do and I think being at a young age and having those type of thoughts, you just just one day you like forget it, like whatever happens happens. And I feel like um my grandmother made sure she came at the perfect time where I was like ready to like give completely up, and she was like the one like no, like you're not giving up on yourself. And through the journey, like it was always somebody there to pick me up. And now like I I like met this I met this space where like, I'm still growing, I'm still learning. But it's like I know how I feel. I know how I felt to be in a position of giving up. So like something like I really try like to keep within me and to show others that like you have that unlimited potential and you shouldn't give up on yourself. And I'm I'm that individual that's going to help you tap into your unlimited potential. If like if that's my calling. Um, sometimes it's not my calling. Sometimes it's my. Sometimes it's just my my job to point you to that person that can tap into it for you. So it's just it, it's a crazy thing, but like that's the ultimate thing that lets you know, like your, your future is your future is beautiful, your future is bright. You just gotta stay strong until somebody comes along to help you out.
0: Wow! So how many years were you living in that kind of not knowing what was gonna come next perspective? Like, um. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So what happened was um, what happened was. I was, I was born and raised, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Well, I was born in Philadelphia, and at a very young age, um, my mother, I never met my birth my biological father, I never met him, but my mother was married to a man, and he moved my mom out of Philadelphia to, um, Islandtown, in and I just thought, like, now looking back at it, that's kind of courageous of a man to, like, take a woman and her kid and move them to a better environment and not not having a kid with her at all. Um then once that their relationship just uh started to like go downhill, she decided to move back to Philadelphia. And I was in I was in fourth grade when she moved back to Philly and by by sixth grade, that's when my mom looked me in the eyes and said that we're getting evicted and I don't know what to do. And you can either go to a we can either go to a homeless shelter or we can figure something else. And I looked at her and told her, I would figure it out. And that was been like that been my mindset since that since then is that I will figure it out. And I was like and I always been like on that type of out that I will figure it out. So from like sixth grade wow. to like from like sixth grade to like about uh I'm about to like tenth grade, I uh I met the family I'm adopted to the Hardy. Um I knew them. I knew them like I met them in eighth grade, but I didn't become like officially in their household permanently. It's like ninth, ninth, tenth grade. So from like, from like fifth to sixth, fifth to like eighth grade, fifth to ninth grade, it was like me trying to figure things out. from these at different friends' houses, um, wherever I could, like wherever to get my head at, wherever to could that on that night. And I feel like those during that time frame was the toughest. Like me just trying to like, I don't even, like remember being a kid. I can't remember being a kid. I feel like I was always like trying to think about what the next day would look like and that was my life for a good like four or five years and then when I was able to get into the Hardy house um, it was never like it was like the first the first year two years were like can I am I really going to be here permanently like is, is this like a, a catch like am I going to be here for a week or so and then I got to leave so it took time to really get actually comfortable and then once I was able to get comfortable I was able to like didn't be that kid i always wanted to be like I always now i got the jokes i'm laughing um i'm fine i'm finding humor and everything because like the, the kid i always wanted to be i never had time for but then once they let me know like hey like you can be that kid and that's when i start to open up a little more and start to like embrace like the the beauty of life and what life can what life can bring
0: to you that's amazing and wow as a sixth grader so so was getting into the Hardy House as a tenth grader, was that a dramatic shift from what you were used to at home before when you were younger? Or was it a similar type of home environment?
3: Um, no, it was um it was definitely different. Um it it was definitely different. So before I got into the um Hardy House, I was like I was like a, a kid with no structure. Like I would be I would I was always I, I was always that type of kid that goes to go to school like I always had perfect attendance but a lot of a lot of those years I wasn't actually doing work in school. It was school just always a way to escape from reality I didn't had to worry about what was going on at home, what was going on in the community. I would just want to go to school to be around kids and know I was going to eat lunch, have gym, but outside of school there was no structure like I couldn't go anywhere I want around the city. I can be able to. I can be out wait until, until like whenever I feel like I want to go in the house, and when I got into the hardy house, um, it was definitely discipline there. It was like, hey, like we had chores. This is your week. This is what chores consist of. This um <laughs> taking the trash out, um, being in the house at a certain time, and for the very like for the first few months, it's like I was bad on like, do I really want this? Like, do I really want to be in a place? Of structure when I'm so used to not having structure I think, Like, my friends can be like, hey, we're going to the park, and we did the park until midnight, one o'clock. And I'm like, all right, cool. To so going into the Hardy house, and they're like, well, be on your way home when the street lights come on. And before then, I never paid attention to the street lights. And now I'm in their household, and I'm at the park, and the street lights come on, and it's seven o'clock. And I'm like, wait, so I gotta start going home now. And I heard the first couple times, like, I was leaving, and I was like, I'm not going home to them. Like, it's not even like, – the day just getting started for me. Um, so, I they, they just set me down. They, they were like, you're, you're thinking for the moment, but, like, we're teaching little things. you're going to install a bigger picture at the end of the day. So, it was like, you can either understand what we're trying to do with you. And it took time for me to understand what they were really trying to do, teaching me that discipline. And I just had to sit in my room, dude. Not because not – it was times I was a punishment just because I wasn't listening. But, like, I had to really sit and think, like, do I really want this discipline? Do I really want to change? And it was a friend that was living a similar life to me that didn't really have structure. And he was the one that had to look at me and was like, bro, like, you have a family that's giving you what most of us in these streets are looking for. So, like, you need to, like, just take it for what it is and hopefully something great come out of it. And that's what, that's what happens. Like, something great came out of it, like... I was able to get a track scholarship, but the first few months to a year, like it was so hard to even like adjust to the the structure of what their house came with.
1: Mm-hmm. But
3: um, I, I definitely understand now, like being in the Dell, and I was just having walking to the house. I like, got dishes in the sink. I get those up real fast, clean those up, or just being you no know, like or being like aware of time. Like, it's, the students came on like seven, and I used to always like, nah, I'm not gonna shit. like, now they gave me a better sense of what time is. So I definitely understood what they were doing, but it was definitely hard to, like, to cope with that at an early age.
0: Hmm. Wow. So, how does that inform, or, how is your definition of love kind of like, what is your definition of love? Let's start there.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, um, love <laughs> do what you love uh do what makes you happy but like I was telling somebody not to Like for me um as humans like we have that like that sense of like love can be so so it can be so complex like I was at an age where like, I was in love with all the wrong things like I was in love with being in a space of negativity like I I, I was in love with having negative attention I was in love with Doing things that I probably knew that wasn't right, but it gave me some type of attention, and I was like that type of person. Um, now I'm, I felt, I felt, I fell in love with like doing what made me, ha- doing what, what what makes me happy. And I was telling the kids like when you eat, when you buy a food, like you buy your favorite slice of pizza, and you bite into it, and that feeling you get, knowing that this food is good. And sometimes the pizza might be unhealthy for you, but you know it tastes good. And that's what you want more of it. You want more of it. And I think I got to a space where I was working with kids and I, teach, I was teaching first builders the first thing, like how to tie, I was the first person to teach them how to tie a shoe. Well, I was the first person teaching this, the first person to teach that. And I think I fell in love with being able to teach somebody, teach some, some somebody something new. And that's where I feel like I was at the most happiness. Like I felt the most joy in that moment knowing I'm being able to teach some somebody something and having a student come to me like, Oh oh, Mr. Hardy taught me this And like I think that moment made me feel like I love this. Like that that was that that was me buttoning into that piece and I was like, oh this this tastes good. This I want more of this.
0: Wow. So being an educator really kind of like clarified not only like you stepped into that role of being the mentor and being what had been provided or, or shown up for you throughout your life, but you also were were mm-hmm. teaching people. You were kind of giving them guidance and support and in their knowledge and their growth. That, that
3: yeah yeah.
0: What, what I'm a, sorry, no, g- it. Nah, it such a such an amazing gift and 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 something that is such a beautiful thing to realize that it's almost like so many folks speak to the 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 feelings of um giving being a gift right like you're offering yeah. yourself and in return like you feel this love this connection this gratitude you know it's um yeah it's powerful
3: yeah like it, it, it's it's crazy because like <laughs> I used to laugh because like when I first became like an educator I used to laugh because like that was like the last thing on my checklist like when you like oh what you gonna do I, uh, it was. It was never going to be a teacher. It was never going to be an educator, um, and I just. It, I think it was just while I think like as I grew, as I grew and I started to like to understand like the world we live in and what to me look for certain what opportunities to look like for certain people. Um, I just. I don't think I really fell in love with teaching at first. Um, I was. I was just a substitute teacher in like a like a one of the like uh, urban communities, sc- urban uh, public school in Baltimore city. And I just seen like myself and so many other kids, like kids that not like had like the cleanest uniform or certain certain kids just coming to school just cause I know I'm going to get a, a free lunch. And I just felt like, uh, a, a, I just felt that I felt me within those kids. And like, as I was, as I grown within that first school year, i was be, I was able to teach kids from a different, like, from a different lens, like, able to connect with them to understand who they were as a person and just understanding how labels can, like, how, like, the education system can, like, study with labels without even understanding who you are as a person. And then I think I fell in love with teaching once I was able to tap into that other mindset of, that student, of students. And it was just a crazy dream because like, being, like, I like, like I said, being an educator was never something I've seen myself doing. Um, but, it's like, when you feel connected to something and something that really catches your attention and you, like, feel a certain way about it, like, sometimes it's hard to ignore. It. So I think that's what, like, kept me in the classroom for so long or not even in the classroom setting, being able to, like, educate people outside of the classroom setting and just being able to, like, inform or teach or just to have that connection, that connection barrier between people.
0: It's It's so important and also so relevant to the, the, you're talking about systems, right? And you never saw yourself in this system of being like a teacher and being in a school system. And if we think about systems today, a lot of what people are out on the streets protesting is systems of oppression. And a huge component of that is the school to prison pipeline, right? Where so, so many teachers and so many educators are kind of like you said, labeling students before they even know them or before they have a chance and you have this completely different way of seeing students as they are, but also you were seen as you were, right? You had so many incredible teachers and mentors and people showing up in your life to support you and elevate you to this point. I'm curious, like, how your relationship is when you look at that as, like, a system versus your lived experience, because they're kind of not the same right like you look at the system and you think oh, all, all these teachers are kind of like police right they're just kind of putting kids into boxes where they're destined to fail but then i hear about your experience and there's so many stories of uplift and support and belief that may there's their success in that right
3: yeah so like like from from my story like i was definitely like that uh <laughs> i was definitely part of that system um early on in school Like from like first to like fourth grade, I was like a straight A. Like probably not a straight A A student, but I was an honor student. Um, Always had like always on honor roll, and that was like that was a joy for me to get on honor roll to go home with my report card and see that my mom and my stepfather were happy knowing that I made honors. Um, Then once like that dynamic of the family started to like fall apart, I didn't go to school to learn. I just went to school to like, like I said to escape escape reality um and with that I was they threw labels on me like it was like oh you see special ed you I come special ed classes and I I got to that point where I believed the labels that they thrown on me and those labels carried with me for many years and those labels allowed people to judge me the way that they wanted to judge me from those labels like I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, and all the way up until college. Like I was a kid with an IEP, uh, like a learning disability, had his own learning plan. And I believe like in like in ninth grade, oh, no tenth grade when I got adopted, they were like, you don't need to be in a special ed class. And I was telling them, like, not telling them, but like I was trying to like let them know like I I do need to be special ed, I want to be in special ed because I felt so comfortable with the level that they had thrown on me. And I knew without even trying, I'm gonna pass these classes. I'm gonna get an A or a B. And I had to put no work in. And but it's also embarrassing to know I had to sit in the corner of these classrooms. So if phone walked past, they couldn't see me. That was in a special ed class. That I had to hide that for many years. Um. Then you go to then I go to college and I get slapped with the athletic label or oh, you an athlete. Um, and a lot of teachers didn't really put me to the test of academically because I was a a, a good athlete. Um, then I went on to get my masters, and that's when I like realized. Some of, I, I realized when I got my masters, like I I'm I'm more than the labels that they thrown on me, and I'm more than what I believed within the labels. So I think like my journey of, of getting my masters it was more so like to prove myself I'm uh, capable of doing this work and. When I was getting my master's, I was also teaching at the same time, and I let my students know like this journey like i they were like whatever I was going through in school, me and my students would talk about it. I would talk about the the hard times or where I felt like I want to give up with my masters I want to drop out, but like I really that was a battle to to let them know and to let myself know like we are bigger than the league that the system's throwing us like once I finished and I did finish in two thousand and twenty um, just just in May. Um, when I finished with this master's, like, it's like, I wasn't supposed to get this far because the labels that the system threw on you, you, know, you this kid wasn't supposed to get this far with the IUP special way, And I wanted to let my students know, like, you are digging in the label that the system throw on you. So don't get too comfortable or don't think that the system can throw something on you and you just have to live with it. Like, you can be better than it. So that was my, like, my journey and a, a battle for self that I think I had to prove to myself and to let the two underneath me know that, like, we are, like, we can get through this and, like, just not let the slip and beat us.
0: That's such a powerful point is this, this idea of labeling that keeps us in place. We adopt it, right? Like, we take on a story that other people prescribe for us. And that sense of motivation to go beyond it. Like, how, what motivated you to prove that you weren't, like, what the labels told, said you were? Was it was it other people encouraging you, or like was there something internal in you that said, you know what, I'm not just an athlete, I'm more than that, or I'm gonna go beyond college and I'm 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 gonna push.
3: Um yeah, I definitely do believe like I had like a um th- like through the journey, I met people that like that motivated motivated me, like and in- it was definitely like internal thing. Like I just had like wanted to under- I just wanted to understand myself as a person. And I wanted to like be more and like. Knowing that, like where I came from, is like I wanted to like be the first one to do it. Like I didn't have nobody like in my thing that went on and got the that I know of that went and got the masters. I didn't know nobody went on and got the masters. So it was like it was a lot of internal like driven ideas and thoughts that I wanted to like put into reality, um, and just like understanding myself and like believing in myself, and like it was constantly like pushing myself to the limit, um, like making sacrifices. Um, you know, it like, was it was like a really like a battle with myself. But wow. within all of that, like I and all that, like I cannot like I can't sit here in love, but I had people like that was motivating me and that was on my side. And there was a lot of people that didn't know that I was going through this process because I w I didn't feel confident to like even speak on it. Like my when I first started my masters program, I feel like it took me a lot, it took me my last semester to really embrace it, like, oh yeah, like I'm in my master's program. So when I finished the master's program, a lot of people were like, oh, I did not know you was in school. Because there was a lot of times I didn't think I was going to finish it. I, I thought I was going to drop out. Or I didn't want to tell people. That, like, when I first got into the program, I didn't want to tell people, like, oh, I'm getting my master's and not finish. So I wanted to wait until I finished and like, oh, yeah, I got my master's. But um, And that was just, like, me not being confident. But I think, like, throughout the journey and throughout, like, the experiences I got within the classroom and out of the classroom, I built that confidence and like, it was the people around me and just me being internal, like just motivated and just knowing that like what I come from is I had to keep on digging. And and I think that's what like the main thing was is knowing that like, if I want to have a family, I don't have no kids now. But if I want to, if I want to have kids, I want to at least put out some type of bricks out there already that they can follow if they want to follow these bricks.
0: But mm. so
3: that's been like just, just having that mindset, thinking for the future and thinking like the life I want to have, was my motivation. to I get through a lot
0: of things. That's beautiful. I also think about like your peers, right? Like you've had so many kind of maybe older supporters and people that have been helping you kind of like lay those bricks and and set up that foundation. You've also, you've had your internal motivation as you shared. And also like, you know, the, the person who said, you know, you should, you should get in, you should stay at the Hardy house. Right. Because, that's a good spot for you. Like that structure is actually a real, a real privilege. That was a peer of yours, right? And so, yeah. I'm curious if like that has continued on, where you found people who maybe have a similar story or background as you have that are kind of with you on your journey and that you check in with or, or stay accountable to as you grow.
3: Yeah, like, um, like, like I said, like the Hardy, like they, definitely still. They, like we still talk like that's that's family that's that's like where my loving my loving joy is at so like right now i'm in baltimore and whenever i like whenever i go back to philly like i'm going to their house and i'm stay, i'm staying with them like when holidays come around i'm i'm stay, i'm spending the moments with them um but i still have like my brothers like my my brothers that i that came from my mother that i still try to keep a relationship with and they and we have close relationships so, like I. I take that, like, I take my experiences and I take where, like, I'm giving and I, um, I check in with everybody. I check, well, I check in with the, with the people I could the most, like, it's hard because of, um, yeah, I was in a, I was in a position where, like, I was so, like, go-oriented, like, oriented and so driven that it was a time where I wasn't checking on nobody. Like, I was so, like, I need to get this done, I need to get that done. And it was, like, months that went by and I was, like, oh, I didn't check up on nobody. But then it was, like, uh, as I, as I have, as i grown I realized how important it is just to like take a step back and check up on the people that help you get to the places you have got and those that became uh, and it, it, it's not always like the ones that played the biggest factors it's like um my me my me and my brother um that's not uh, that's not in a hearty house like it was a time frame where we haven't spoken like three four years and I told myself in my and like the middle of my natural program, like I want to spend like time getting to re-know my brother. So it was like I spend time, call, FaceTiming him, calling him, going to silly, not even seeing the Hardys, just directly going to see my little brother. It was like, you like I thought like I spent, I was for so many years not connecting with you. I don't even, I got to re myself to you as a person. Like, who are you now? Like, what you got going on? And we are, we're, we are on two different pages. Like I'm in Baltimore, like doing something and he's still trying to find his way in silly. But like I think it's so important to like to keep those connections and just to let him know like things are possible. Like we come from the same background, we come from the same story. Like things are possible, and the Hardys were the was my safety net. Mm-hmm. He might not have he ha- he might not have got his safety net yet. So like sometimes it's my job to, in a healthy way, to be his safety net to know mm-hmm. that like. I'm here, even like even small as a conversation, like for an hour or two hours, just to talk on the phone. Like, let's talk about things, and let's get things. Let's just let's have the dialogue of getting to know each other again. And I think like just having that open conversation with people will let you know that certain things do exist, and it gives you a given individual that of you know, that I can work towards it. Sometimes it can like hurt somebody like, "Wow, well, that's too, too much. I can't, I can't, I can't do that yet." But like you have to at least give yourself the opportunity to know what's out there. So I just try to keep as many relationships as I could. I try to go mm-hmm. through life connecting with people, um, trying to just like not, not even pick people's brains, but just knowing that like, hey, let's have this conversation. I might ask a certain question, not because I don't want to be nosy, because I really, I really care to know. And I might not have been, I might not had the opportunity within my life to experience what you're about to tell me.
0: Wow, dude, you're a hero, man. You're you're showing up as a hero for people, like, honestly, just leading by example and making space for others to feel heard and seen, and, uh, yeah, just to be, to be there, it's beautiful, it's really, really beautiful. Um, I appreciate it, man. what, what, What is it, what are the things that you're calling for right now? I mean, you just, you just finished your master's program, so who are the, who are the heroes that you're looking for in your life? Who are the people that that you're really um, calling in to 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 be alongside in this time?
3: Um. So so right. So I just finished my masters, and right now I'm. And that I'm was in sociology, to, right? Yeah, I got my masters in sociology, um, and a beautiful, a beautiful major. Um, it just expanding my thoughts so in some different ways, uh, just having fairies and stuff like that, but um, I would say, like, right now, like, my journey consists of, like, protecting my happiness, protecting my joy, um, and becoming free. Like, I know, like, as an individual right now, like, I'm totally happy. Like, I'm happy with what's around me. I'm happy on, what like, the books I'm reading and stuff like that, but, like, it's a part of me that is still searching for, it's still searching to be free, and I'm on that search of being free. Like, uh, and it, and that's also like a complex conversation because like that freedom is like something that's like, internally internal within self, and right now it can be just me like journaling, writing down, writing down things that took place ten, fifteen years ago that I might have thought was normal during that time, but now that I'm older, I can see that that wasn't a normal experience. Like that was a trauma, a trauma experience that probably still hold a lot of weight in me now or having conversations I was never able to have in the past. And now I'm, I'm, I'm at that point where like, I'm comfortable to speak on these things. So like, I want to be free from my thoughts, free from certain feelings. Um, but in a overall shell, I'm happy. I just want to be more free. And the people that's along with me is, um, of course, like, my beautiful breakout community. Like, those are individuals, there's a lot of individuals within the breakout community that helped me get to this point. Uh, my family, uh, the ones that, like, are blood-related and non-blood-related families that I met through my journey is, like, are people that I would like to see on their side of me when I look to the right and look to the left. Like, I see those, I see them in my, in, like, in my space. Um, and, like, I'm always... Willing, like, I'm, I'm that type of person that would go out to like a, go out to like, to dinner and have random conversations with people. And those people are like, are, are people that's important, like, and me, because like, I'm willing to, I'm always willing to reconnect and reach out and say, oh, how you been? Like, little short things. Like, like, for example, um I had got like a, in 11th grade, I was going to like get a, a tutor for S-E-T and A-C-T, I was going a tutor. And... We had, and this person was tutoring me, and I went off to college, undergrad, masters, and randomly, like I was thinking, like, "Wow, I haven't spoken to him for so long. Like, let me call this man." I called him. We, we was on the phone for like four hours, just speaking about my journey within the last year. We had been in school, his journey, and then now that's somebody I talk to at least like once every two weeks you now, or once a week now. We
1: just, just I love talking about
3: randomly cause, like, so it's like things like that. Like, like knowing that like when i get the opportunity to think of somebody in the past or think about somebody anywhere or just walk into a random place and meeting a new person just um having that dialogue just having just, just sharing knowledge just sharing experiences um so there's a lot of people that play a factor on like where i want to become like, where i want to go in the future um a lot of people that i see next to me um a lot of people that have paved the way to help me get get this far in the first place um but i think now i'm in a space of like freeing freeing my thoughts freeing my my feelings and so that can be able to open more doors
0: for other things yeah i mean i i also want to give a shout out to the breakout community for bringing us together and um bringing together such amazing people from across the country who are who are doing great work and supporting their communities and getting their hands dirty and wherever they are (laughs) um yeah especially these times um But but yeah, man, I I think that's such a beautiful message to share with everybody and just to underscore that those people that we maybe had a small interaction with or we knew at a different time in our life, we have all the tools to check in on them now. And it's not that hard. You know, it's like maybe it's a Facebook message or an Instagram or maybe it's a text or a call, but there's it's so easy to check in and especially those people that maybe come up, there's probably a reason they're coming up in your mind, right? There's a reason you think about that person. It's like, well, I should check in on them. I should say what's up, or they'd be interested to know where I'm at. You know, so often it's just gratifying to see your growth, right? And what you've done. And for them, that's a, that's meaningful, especially like an SAT tutor. You know, that's a big deal to see. Oh shit! Yeah, it is. You're through school, you know, you're through grad school. Like, it's amazing. It's really cool. So how do you how do you stay so joyful? How do you stay so positive? <laughs> What's your secret <laughs> um
3: uh how do I, how do i stay i uh, i would say um being being in the feeling, like being in a space where you've been un- like been under a dirt cloth for, for for years and you' finally feel like you're escaping that and you're starting to see light. I just like been like it just I got that feeling like I don't want nobody to experience that. Like I don't want nobody to go through that feeling if I had the ability to bring that sunlight to you, either for fifteen minutes to fifteen seconds, let me shine for you. Um it's not to it's not to be the the glory in the room, not to make everybody feel like, oh look at me, look at me. But it's like I knew how I felt to be in that position of darkness. And it it, it hurt cause you had to hide behind a smile. You had to hide, like like you were just, I was just scared in so many different ways. And now it's like I don't have to fake the funk no more. I can really like be be that person I want to be. And like sometimes I I joke with my kids, right? Because my kids think I'm just like a big, they think I'm a big kid. I joke with them because like I re- I felt for a very long time wasn't able able to be a kid. So now I'm just like a young kid, like I'm new to it, like I'm new to this kid stuff. So like I didn't tap into my adult, my my like being an adult yet. So like I'm still fresh, I'm still young, but um, I guess I don't really have, I don't really have like a secret. I just know like, I, I just, I just, I'm just happy. I'm happy with being myself, and like, and no matter what room I'm in, I can go my go into those rooms being myself. Like, I don't feel like I have to fake no more. I don't feel like I have to hide behind a smile. behind no more, I just feel like I can like be myself in all aspects and like be comfortable with being myself.
0: I totally relate to that sense of like having hidden under a dark blanket or, you know, like having felt, felt like you were in darkness for a period of time. And then it's like, now that you're in the light, you can just be free and you can be you. And in being you, you get to be a kid or you get to experience so much of yourself that maybe was hidden before you felt shameful of, or you didn't think you could express. And I I get that, you know, having, um, having gone through some sickness and and just realizing what's important. And part of the reason I do this podcast and have these conversations is like, you know, how can we, how can we grow through our biggest challenges, our biggest fears or obstacles and come into love, right? Come into joy and ultimately loving ourselves and the world. Um, So I get it. Do you think that that's, do you think that that's necessary? Like, do you think that we kind of need to have that, that darkness in order to really appreciate the light? Or do you think that, People can just be in light, regardless.
3: Uh, yeah, everybody is definitely different, but like for me, is like I definitely think like um, once you experience that darkness, it would definitely like it would definitely change your perspective on life. Um, I like I I think like <laughs> the people at the bottom are like the ones with the most power. Like those are the ones that are really strong and like it just that darkness that I had was like the beauty of my the beauty of my struggle. Like that was like the reason I can sit here on this podcast and like speak to it. I speak it. Like I experienced something. Um and I just think like I, I don't know, like I embrace the darkness. I think like the ones that do embrace the darkness, they have a beautiful story that they're hiding behind too. Um those those moments let us let us be human.
0: That's um, a, that's such a powerful yeah. statement, man. Like the strongest people are the ones that are kind of the lowest in, in their yeah. in their moment it's like the potential the potential energy is so great
3: yeah like i really do believe that so like um i do embrace my darkness and i do, do do think like that darkness moments are are the beautiful moments at the end of the day
0: yeah that's so real so what's your vision for coming out of this pandemic coming I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to say coming out of this moment because I hope this moment continues in regards to what's going on on the streets and the evolution of our systems of injustice. Yeah. But what what are you holding in vision? You know what what are you what are you pushing for in terms of the future?
3: Uh, for the future, I would definitely like to. Uh, I as Black people, as Black individuals, African Americans in, in this country, just to support each other more. Uh, make our communities historical landmarks forever. Mm-hmm. Um, to, um did the, that would be the main thing, like just knowing that like when times be like this we have to be able to learn each other. Um and just not be the ones to scratch some resources from the outside, be able to have those resources within ourselves, within our communities. So hopefully we just come together and we see that the bigger the bigger picture. And um Start creating these meaningful, and I loved it. I loved, like, seeing the peaceful marches, the peace, the peace, uh, the peace marches and the protests and, then, like, just keeping that, that fire underneath us, you know, like, knowing that we can look to the right and look to the left and knowing that we have the, those resources within the community. Um, me, I'm actually, like, as an individual, I'm actually working on, like, my first, my first book. Um, Amazing. And the book is this appreciate it man appreciate it and like the book is um uh, it's not to glorify my story it's more so to like bring awareness to people that there are people that live in this world that that have that have gone through things like this and that do hide behind a smile and it, it might take and, and just just to speak on different stories that people can relate to either that you you probably been through something similar or you reading the book can make you feel like wow happy like Be more mindful of the people that that, that live in this world and um with and that's like the main the two main things is my my book and knowing that when we get out when we do get out of this is like our communities are much stronger and we support one another and and yeah i would just say that honestly
0: i think that's such an important like recognition that like our we we can and do live in communities that are self-sustainable in so many ways right people talking about policing people talking about education and it's like we don't we don't need that external to come in like we can we can police ourselves and each other (laughs) we can look after each other and keep each other safe we can educate each other and ourselves and it's not that everyone should live in isolated enclaves but i think there's this this sense of there needing to be some overarching power that controls us and ultimately, that's or, or or protects us, or serves us, or educates us, or provides for us. And I think that's really right. Like there is a lot of room for us to build abundant communities within, um, from within, and with the resources we have, and also to lift up, you know, communities that have long been under underserved, right? Because we know that the, the, the yeah. resources are not evenly distributed right now.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, to- I totally agree. Yeah.
0: So any other advice you have for all the love extremists listening out there? Anything else you wanna bring to the podcast and share with the people?
3: Uh um be you. Discover yourself. Uh remember you're human. <laughs> every moment's not gonna be beautiful, every moment not gonna be right. Embrace the embrace the mistakes, <laughs> learn from them. Mm. Um and uh just uh protect it protect your happiness and joy. Do it makes you happy.
1: Mm.
0: That's beautiful. That be you and learn from your mistakes is so important, especially I just want to like underscore that for all the white folks and the white men listening right now in this time and wanting to be part of this movement and change and not knowing how or feeling silenced. It's like be you and make a mistake, you know, like a mistake that, that, that becomes clarified to you, even if it feels like a criticism or a call out is actually a gift and it's a learning experience. And if anyone is willing to give you that gift, take it as such because you don't always get those gifts and sometimes you just get cut out of the party because you messed up. So to, to, to make the mistake and to be alerted to that, I think is a real opportunity for growth for all of us. Um, but especially us white folks in these times, you know? Yeah. So, um, I I, I am, this is such a, a beautiful conversation. Do you have any questions for me? By the way, I re, like I don't know you know I'm, I don't expect you to, but um, anything that you <laughs> want to talk about or or are curious to to hear about in terms of you know where I sit here in LA.
3: Um you no know, like I just want to just like let the listeners know that like um, I definitely do thank you a lot. Um, Give me this platform to tell a little bit about myself. Hopefully that when the book is published, people will want to learn more about me. Um, and you always wanted to create space, uh, safe spaces for people to have type of dialogue like this. So um, for your your presence, your ability to even want to listen, um, to give, I really appreciate you. And I dedicate you to this over with, so I come to LA and just get to connect with you in
0: person. I'd love that. We'd love to have you. And, and also, it's been wonderful getting to know you and just having these conversations online and offline. Let the people know where we find you, though, so we can be on the lookout for your book. Where is the best place to stay? Stay up to date.
3: Definitely, so I'm on Instagram, uh, King Hardy, K I N G H A. -A I'm sorry, H A R D Y. Three underscores, King Hardy. Three underscores. That's the um, my only social platform that I really use.
0: Beautiful. So I'll have everybody. Uh, I'll put a link underneath the um, show notes so everybody can check it out and uh, follow you at King Hardy three underscores and um, take us out with your favorite love song, Hanif. What are you listening to these days?
3: Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, favorite love song during the dunny times.
0: Right, right.
3: Um, J Cole, J Cole, love yours.
0: J. Cole. It's a beautiful song. Love yours.
3: Um it's a beautiful song. Uh it's one it's one lyric and what is one phrasing that he talks about. He says you can like you can go on like you can meet a girl that's better than your girl, or you can go somewhere that there's always gonna be something that's better than yours, but it's never gonna be meaningful until you love your own.
0: Wow. Oh so like, that's that's
3: really a that's that's really a great song. Like you got to love yourself and love what you have first.
0: Of outside. dude that feels like a beautiful synopsis of this entire conversation and what you've been talking yeah. about the whole time so uh i'm excited to listen and play that on the outro this has been amazing hanif hardy check him out at king hardy three underscores on instagram we'll post it down in the show notes if you feel this episode and want to share it with your community please do write a review on itunes and uh we'll see you all next week hanif Thank you so much.
1: love yours No such thing No such thing as a life that's better than yours No such thing as a life that's better than yours Love yours No such thing as a life that's better than yours No such thing No such thing. Heart beating fast, let a nigga know that he alive Fake niggas, mad snakes, snakes in the grass Let a nigga know that he arrived don't be sleeping on your level cuz it's beauty in the struggle nigga beauty, beauty, Goes for all y'all. Uh, It's beauty in the struggle nigga Let me explain. Yeah It's beauty in the struggle ugliness and the success hear my words and listen to my signal of distress I grew up in the city and know sometimes we had less compared to some of my niggas down the block man we were blessed and life can't be no fairy tale, no once upon a time but I be goddamn if a nigga don't be trying so tell me mama please why you be drinking all the time does all the pain he brought you still linger in your mind cause pain still lingers on mine on the road to riches listen this is what you find the good news is nigga you came a long way the bad news is, nigga, you went the wrong way Think being broke was better No such thing as a life that's better than yours No such thing life better than yours Think being broke was better No such thing as a life that's better than yours No such thing, no such thing For what's money without happiness Or hard times without the people you love Though I'm not sure what's about to happen next I ask for strength from the Lord up but Cause I've been strong so far But I can feel my grip loosening Quick, do something before you lose it for good Get it back and use it for good And touch the people how you did like before I'm tired of living with demons cause they always inviting mo Think being broke was better Now I don't mean that phrase with no disrespect To all my niggas out there living in debt cashing minimal checks Turn on the TV, see a nigga Rolex And fantasize about a life with no stress I mean this shit sincerely And as a nigga who was once in your shoes Living with nothing to lose I hope one day you hear me Always gonna be a bigger house somewhere But nigga feel me Long as the people in that motherfucker love you dearly Always gonna be a whip that's better than the one you got Always gonna be some clothes that's fresher than the ones you rock Always gonna be a bitch that's better out there on the tours But you ain't ever gonna be happy till you love yours. all thing is the life that's better than your Love yours, this thing is a life that's better than your Love yours, thing is a life that's better than your Love yours, this thing, is yours. Love yours. This thing no sister Heart beating fast, let a nigga know that he alive Fake niggas, mad snakes, snakes in the grass Let a nigga know that he arrived
0: Thanks for listening to Love Extremist Radio. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to learn more about being a love extremist, check out www.extremist.love and follow Love Extremist on Instagram and Facebook. Find me also on Instagram at Ethan Lipsitz. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace.